Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is the early afternoon of Wednesday, March 9th. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard in, I don't even know, where the hell are you, Dan? <laughs> I am driving the back roads here um, from Columbus, Ohio to the great city, world-renowned Toledo, Ohio. Um, <laughs> home of the Bowling Green, what is it, Falcons? Um, yes. Yeah. The uh, supposed STD college capital of the world. Don't want to say that too loud. I have uh, cousins that went there. But, yeah, on my way to Toledo, and uh, that's where my game viewing experience will be tonight. You know, they tell you growing up that there's no more luxurious and glamorous job than pipe salesman, and yet here you are just sharing – Shedding some light on the real world for all the kids listening to the Card Chronicle podcast of the, you know, the, the, the less glamorous side, the, the driving <laughs> back roads throughout Ohio. And, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a nice lesson to all the kids listening out there to the podcast. Yeah. This is straight out of Tommy Boy right here with, uh, Farley and Spade taking these back roads. If you're, I know we've, we haven't done an episode for a couple of weeks and that's a shame. And, and we're, Look, we're dads. We're battling illnesses. We're we're, we're fighting through things. You, you don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. Every time we try to get something worked out, we have something work-wise come up, or uh, I get violently ill, like like happened uh, this past weekend. And, and the real reason why I've been hesitant to do a podcast recently, and I'll be quite frank, I've been concerned about how, what Danny was going to say because I know we've all been upset about this season. But for the last few weeks, I don't think you can talk rationally about this team. Like every time something comes up, you have been just so violently angry about things that I I can't even have a conversation. You, you have taken this maybe worse than anybody I know. Well, I mean, I just hate having nothing to look forward to. Um, yesterday was no, yeah. I mean, I know everyone does, and like to be honest, yeah, I like. I, I love doing the pod, but I, I think you would agree. Like, these circumstances are tough. Like, there's really not much you can find positive about the season. Um, although, I mean, yesterday was nice. Uh, but, like, I mean, no one wants to hear us get on here and just, you know, at least me, kind of just bitch and complain every single time. Um, but I'm, I'm glad we're doing it today because we had a nice moment yesterday. Um and yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, who knows? It's March. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight, but win tonight and then the, uh, the dreaming can start happening. This is, and I guess I probably should have started off with this, but this is a very special episode of the Card Chronicle podcast. And you, you don't know this, Dan, so I'm telling you this by surprise. This okay. is, this is the 100th episode of the Card Chronicle <laughs> podcast. Holy shit. That is wild. So before we get into the ins and the outs of where Louisville basketball is right now and the coaching search stuff, let's take a quick ride down memory lane. The highlights of the two-year, 100-episode history of the Card Chronicle podcast. Like, for instance, who could forget me getting laid off by iHeart one week after the, the, the podcast started? Or, of course, the world shutting down due to a global pandemic two months after we started the podcast. And then there was the... Uh, you know, Louisville being the first team left out of the the NCAA tournament in 2021. We've had two losing football seasons and uh, debate about Scott Satterfield's job security, two embarrassing losses to Kentucky in football. Um, and then, you know, a little extortion on the side to talk about in the summertime. Chris Mack Ooh, that was nice. leaving in the middle of the season. That was good. So, you know, all the hits, uh, 100 episodes of just pure, unfiltered, Sports Bliss here on the Card Chronicle podcast. Here's to 100 more. Wow. That was uh that was quite the lineup there. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the 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 CBS production team is going to have an awkward montage to put together for our uh, greatest moments here. Um <laughs> but in all seriousness, no, that's I mean, 100 episodes. I when we started this, I didn't think it would make it past 2. So the fact that we've got to 100 <laughs> Um, is, is really unbelievable. And we obviously appreciate everyone listening. It's just like the, the montage is just like an awkward highlight video of, of us texting after too many drinks being like, do you want a pod? Fuck it. Let's pod. Yeah. 
dude oh my god like that's literally been like the theme so far it's like well i mean like the emergency pods obviously have been the highlight for me but geez i mean a couple of them like like after a ucf win like although that was really cool like in the grand scheme of things it's ucf football you know what i'm hoping in the next two to three years you know we had just have some major milestone moments we're able to look back on it's like our emergency pods have been beating Duke near the end of a season that was ultimately canceled, God, so beating, beating Central Florida in football, and then beating a 9-16 and Kentucky team by three at home. <laughs> like that, that, that's, that, those are the things that we've gotten the most excited about over 100 episodes. It feels good. Uh, yeah, it feels great, but whatever. Let's, let's talk about that. We'll, we'll get to some coaching search stuff, and if you've been listening to the the radio show, Shameless plug, Mike Rutherford Show, 3 to 6, every Monday through Friday, 1450, the Big X. Um, it'll be me repeating a lot of stuff. If you haven't, if you've been waiting for podcast uh, updates, then we'll get you your fill there. But we'll start by talking about the ACC tournament. And I guess this will be, if you're listening to this on Thursday or any other time in the next couple of days, um, it's not going to be stuff that's evergreen, but that's how things work during tournament time. But last night, Tuesday night, Louisville, you know, we're in the situation where Every time out, it's either you're advancing towards a, a conference championship or, you know, God willing, an NCAA championship or your season's over. So, you know, last night we go into that game thinking this could be the last time we see the cards take the floor. Louisville comes out for 30 minutes. They look like a team fully capable of winning multiple games in this tournament. And then for the seven minutes after that, they look like a team that's about to blow a 27-point lead in record time. So it, it does put a little bit of a damper on the victory. At the end of the day, it's still... Louisville winning a game by 10 in on a neutral floor that it was favored to win by one and a half. So I'm not going to be too upset. Just just surviving and advancing and giving us an extra day of, of Cardinal basketball is is good enough for me. But Dan, your your, your quick hitter thoughts on Tuesday night's victory over Georgia Tech uh, outside of just thank God Josh Pastner didn't end a season. <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, it was, it's so weird because gosh, I, I was so excited in the first half. Like it, it, especially offensively, that was to me easily the best we've looked. Like the way we moved the ball, not just from side to side, the way we moved it inside out, the way like, you know, we would dump down to Curry and he'd kick it back out and that would give us driving lanes. Like that's all we've been asking for all year is to, you know, move the ball, um, take good shots. And it seemed like we were doing that. Uh, and then. The second half, I don't want to complain too much about the offense, but, I mean, the defense was just utterly horrendous there for about eight minutes. Like, not only was Georgia Tech scoring at will, they were doing it within, like, the first five seconds of the shot clock. Um, So, just like anything with this team, you know, even when there's, like, a good moment, they seem to somehow put a little bit of a damper on it. Like, I couldn't go to bed just – fully jovial that we won a game and are moving on but hey it's about surviving and advancing it doesn't matter how it looks and 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 we did that so um obviously we're gonna have an uphill climb tonight we know the history between us and virginia but yeah i'm not gonna complain too much about a acc tournament victory 100th episode, first Dan use of the word jovial. Mark it down right Joey. there. That was, that was, that's a little history on this 100th episode. I, I literally said it and I was like, checking my back pocket. Here we go. <laughs> it was like, I mean, there was talk before the game about how Mike Begeese's message was essentially, remember who we were in the Bahamas. And this is exactly what I would do if I was in his situation. Like, remember who we were in the Bahamas. Remember how excited we were after we, you know, beat Mississippi State and then Maryland. We won a, a tournament championship. And then things got a little bit disjointed because Chris Mack came back into the fold and maybe he wasn't fully invested. Maybe some guys just didn't like the change of pace. And clearly things have gone poorly ever since then. So let's just try to be who we would have been had there not been that disruption. Had things just kept going business as usual on December 1st and, and Chris Mack hadn't come back. And I, I think that was the mess. Let's, let's be the Brooklyn bullies. Uh, you saw kids, some of the players posting that on social media and they come out in the game. And I mean, the bench enthusiasm, you've got guys who haven't been showing emotion, who are fully engaged. The team is playing connected in a way that we haven't seen in, in like a month and a half. They're playing hard. They're playing well. They're doing the right things. And then I think it was a mixture of, the same thing that we've seen from this team, when things get a little bit dicey, everybody kind of just 
fucking panics. Like, nobody knows where to go. And thank God Jared West and L. Ellis stepped up and made some plays when they had to, or else I, I honestly think we would have lost that game by like six. But I, I think the other thing, and I'm not the first person to point this out. I know a lot of people have said the same thing on Twitter already is Mike Figgis makes this move to playing just seven guys, which is great in one respect. You've got guys not worried about coming out of the game. It allows them to get into more of a rhythm. Um, I, I think you saw like Mason Faulkner and Noah Locke both playing well offensively because they knew they were going to be playing for longer stretches of time. And that's the good part of doing that. The bad is you've got guys that just aren't used to playing that many consecutive minutes and we were dragging at the end of that game, and Georgia Tech was not. And so we're either getting beat easily for back-cut layups, or we've got guys like poor Sid Curry was just like grabbing dudes to, to keep them from getting the basket, and Mason Faulkner was doing the same. And Georgia Tech's a pretty good free-throw shooting team, so we were just giving them cheap points at the line without having to use much clock. And it did kind of feel like we were just holding on for dear life. I wonder if we see the same thing tonight. Like, I was surprised, especially when Sam Williamson wasn't playing especially well. I was surprised that we didn't see Dre Davis at all. Uh, you know, he, he's been a guy who started for a lot of the season, didn't play a single second. Uh, Matt Cross didn't get any run at all either. So I wonder if we see a similar short rotation tonight against Virginia or if it's just different guys or maybe a few more guys. I don't know. Um, but it was like that was the big thing to me. Like, like Mike McGee, you knew he was going to try something different in Brooklyn and the fact that he just played seven guys, which Kelly Dickey pointed out, it's the first time Louisville's won a game playing seven players or fewer since their 1996 NCAA tournament win over Kerry Kittles and Villanova in the second round, which is crazy. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that will be interesting is not that Georgia Tech likes to 100%, you know, they're not Gonzaga where they like to go serious up and down, but, I mean, Virginia – that. You're not going to have a super high pace game tonight. Um, sure. Virginia's dictating the pace. So, you know, I, I think it'll depend kind of the start we get. You know, if we get off to a nice start um, and the pace is slow, I, I, I don't see a reason why we wouldn't stick with that seven guy rotation. I was kind of like you. I mean, I was a little perplexed at the no Dre Davis because I like Dre. I think he brings something to the table, but. You know, if it's working, I'm, I'm definitely I'm not going to go change everything because we had the best half of basketball that we've had since Mississippi State in the Bahamas. So um, I think you stick with what's working. Um, but, it, it, you know, if things start to unravel a little bit, then I think you kind of have to go off script. But, um, yeah, you're exactly right. They, I think they obviously were holding on for dear life there at the end. Um, it is good to see Jared West kind of have his moment. I know you tweeted about it, but. He's just been the one guy that you can just tell. I don't want to say the one guy because I'm sure there's others, but he's kind of the one guy that just hasn't really bought into, like, the bullshit of the team and just someone that's going to bring it probably at practice and games every single time. So I was really happy that he had his moment yesterday. Yeah, that's where I was going to go to next because, you know, we have to talk about the way the guys play and – I think you and I were kind of on the same page when, when Louisville brought in Jared West over the summer. Um, I didn't really understand why he was the guy we targeted. I, I didn't feel like he was capable of playing at this level, at least as a, in a starring role, which is what we now know is what he was kind of being asked to do. Captain starting at point guard. Um, I was fine if you were bringing him in to add backcourt depth, but to put him in this role, I didn't think he was really ready. And he hasn't, to be just perfectly honest, he hasn't had a great season, especially offensively. But the effort levels never wavered. He's never – he's the one guy who at the end of games where we've been blown out has been cheering guys on from the bench. Like, he's he's been a true captain, which I – I mean, let's just say it outright. Like, you can't say the same thing about Malik Williams this year. Like, he has – he's gotten himself suspended, what, 15 times at this point, it feels like. West has been the stabilizing force with this team. He's been the guy with – who even when things have been going poorly is always huddling the guys up. He's trying to keep everybody engaged, which is it's hard to do whenever you're having a bad season as a team. It's especially hard to do when you individually are not having the type of season that I'm sure he thought he was going to have here. So even if the season ends tonight against Virginia, which I mean, being honest, it's probably more likely than not that it does. I was glad that Jared West of all the guys on this team got to have that, that moment got to have that night where you know, he's interviewed on the ACC Network set afterwards. He's getting his highlights shown on SportsCenter. He's got his own individual video in the highlight package. 
and you know he's going to bed excited about the next day and excited about the way that he played and of all the guys on this team I think you're right he deserved to have that night more than anybody and I'm glad that he got one of these because the saddest part about this and we've, we're all disappointed about the way this season's gone and I think there's plenty of blame to go all the way around but one of the things that's most disappointing about this year is that the guys who who are only going to be here for one season, and, and honestly, some of the guys who have been here for multiple years, they're not going to experience what it should be like to be a Louisville basketball player. Like right. Jared Jared West, Noah Locke, Mason Faulkner, like they're never going to get a true taste of what it it's like to be a Cardinal. We said the same thing about Carly Jones last year for different reasons because he never got to play in front of a jam packed Yum Center and all those things, but like Noah Locke. I'm sure he came here trying to up his stock and trying to play on an even bigger stage than Florida and never really got to experience that. Like these guys never got to know what it was like to win a huge game over Duke or Carolina and have the whole city going nuts and, you know, go out afterwards wherever you're going to go out and have everybody coming up to you and taking pictures. Like they never got that experience. So at least to have that for one night in the postseason, I think is a, is a really cool thing. And it's why, you know, I saw some Louisville fans who were kind of just, poo-pooing the, the victory and saying, you know, it's Georgia Tech, who cares? The season's going to be over tomorrow anyway. Yeah, I, I I get that. Like, I don't think either of us or any of us listening have misconceptions about where this thing is going. But to get that one night, it, it's not nothing. To extend the season, I mean, I'm watching, I've got Syracuse, Florida State up on the TV now, and I'm going to be more engaged to the ACC games today than I would have been otherwise, just because I know we're playing tonight, and I know there's still a shot of us advancing and playing deeper into this thing. And speaking more broadly, like Tuesday night in the city of Louisville, you, you know, I come home from radio, I get to watch Bellarmine, a school that I graduated from, a school that I went to games in the 90s that were attended by like 50 people. They win their conference championship. They're one of the biggest stories in the entire sports world last night. You've got Louisville winning a game, extending its season. You've got David Levitch, former player, taking his team to the Sweet 16. You've got a fantastic six regional final between Dawson and J-Town that goes down to the final seconds. It just, it, it felt like a, it felt like how March is supposed to feel in the city of Louisville, which probably isn't going to be the case for the rest of the month, but it was just nice to have that evening, if nothing else. And, and I'm glad the team was able to give us that. No, 100%. And I mean, this is like probably the corniest thing I'll ever say on this podcast, but that really is kind of what March is all about. Um, as, as maybe a little moment in the grand scheme of things, and, 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 you know, compared to what Louisville basketball is used to, um, like you said, it, it's nice to have one of our guys who I think represents the Jersey the right way, um, you know, kind of have his moment in the sun. So, yeah, I mean, there's really not much more to add. <laughs> As in, I, I hate that he's going to have to like go back and watch one of his best games on a, you know, in his spotlight on that big of a platform. And Corey Alexander is going to be the one that was had, have announced it. Um, yeah. But yeah, we don't get him on the call tonight, do we? Have we moved on from? I think we're on ESPN two and not on the ACC network. So hoping that we're away from <laughs> Corey tonight. I mean, the Corey. I know I tweeted it out, but the Corey Alexander, the Right into the game where he's like, I mean, it's a Louisville team that you got to respect the fact that their their effort levels never wavered since making the move to Mike McGee's. They've just had some bad luck. And then 10 minutes later, he's like, if you've watched this Louisville team in recent weeks and we had their game against Virginia, you know that the effort level hasn't really been like this. I was like, it, it was it was like the literal <laughs> sports version of the Charlie Murphy sketch where he's like, where, uh, he's like, it's like, I would never just run up and kick somebody's couch. Yeah, I remember kicking Eddie's couch. Like, it was the yeah. exact same thing. I was like, what are you talking about? You just said the exact opposite 10 minutes ago. Oh, poor Corey. He just, he struggles. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, tonight against Virginia is a team that we did just play a week ago. If you're looking for a positive, I mean, Louisville jumped out to a 10-2 lead in that game. They were competitive for at least a, a small stretch. Seemed like they handled that pack line well at first and then reverted to some bad mistake I mean yeah even in a positive year this is a game where it feels like we would have not a whole lot of optimism going into but especially given the season that we're having uh it doesn't seem likely that we're going to be advancing I mean any any confidence from you whatsoever that we're talking about a game against North Carolina on Thursday night I mean I would probably be lying if I said yes I have some confidence but 
gosh, just get on to an early lead. I mean, you know Virginia at some point is going to make a run. And obviously when they did that last game, like we've seen pretty much all season, that's kind of one of our, our team, I, I would say, wilts. Um, so if, if they can surprise us and, and just kind of, you know, if, if Virginia does go on a run, just kind of stay with it, hang in there. I mean, you never know, but, um, you know, like I think not only us too, but most of the fan base kind of has the same feeling that, uh, you know, this is, it's going to be an uphill climb for our guys, but you never know. Maybe, maybe last night's win gave certain guys some confidence. I mean, Malik for the <laughs> most part, I thought played harder and better than, than I've seen all year. Sidney Curry, I mean, He's been absolutely, you know, on the offensive end at least, like a dog, I would say, for about two to three weeks now. Um, Jared West, we already talked about him. So, yeah, I, I never want to say never. It's college basketball, but uh, we're definitely going to have our work cut out for us. Uh, also, I know we mentioned them kind of in passing, but we have to give a shout-out to um, – I, I know you love them just like I love them. Uh, the Davenports, also Bo oh, Braden, yeah. Scooter Galloway, everybody over at Bellarmine for capturing the A-Sun Tournament Championship, and we'll be so the millionth awesome, we'll be the millionth people to say it's absolutely fucking ridiculous that they don't get to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, it's the dumbest rule that, that's still going right now. And I think at the end of the day, I know that this rule is up for vote in April. I guess it could get pushed back to early May, apparently. But I think that they're going to, at the very least, take down the transitional period rule from four to two years. I think there's a chance that it could get abolished completely. And if it does, like people are going to remember Bellarmine as the team that really spawned this, the, the team that really sparked this change. Because I think a lot of people just who, who are casual college basketball fans aren't even aware of this rule. And when you see something like that, the the March Madness account, their tweet about how like Jacksonville State's going to the tournament because they lost yeah. in the semifinals to Jacksonville, who lost to Bellarmine, who's not eligible, but Jacksonville State won the regular season title. I think the absurdity of that really sets in when you when you see it put out there. And it's a dumb rule, uh, but at the end of the day, a, a conference championship in year two, and to be able to do it on your home floor at Freedom Hall is nothing short of remarkable. I mean, I, I remember just where Bellarmine basketball was, even in the years immediately preceding Scott's uh, Scotty D's arrival. And it was just, you know, they were a middle-of-the-road program in a, in a, in a <clears throat> D2 conference. And now they go from that to being a perennial powerhouse in Division Two, winning a national championship in Division Two, making a seamless jump to Division One, where they're competitive with some of the best teams in the country and one of the best teams in their conference right out of the gate. Now they're winning conference championships. It's just been so fun to follow. And, I mean, anybody who's ever even heard, even if you have never had a personal conversation with Scotty D, if you've heard him talk, you know about his personality. That's exactly who he is in real life. And they're easy people to root for. It's an easy program to root for. And so awesome to see Bellarmine having this type of success this early on at the Division One level. It's it's truly remarkable. And the thing that boggles my mind about it is like almost how easy Scotty Davenport made this look. I mean, this transition is not easy. I mean, you're talking about a huge step up um, and level of play and recruiting, um, and they just handled this so seamlessly, and they've really kind of captured I, I want to say almost the nation by storm I mean if you go on Twitter uh you know people that follow college basketball and even kind of the casuals are are talking about Bellarmine and and that's a testament to kind of how Scotty D runs this program and what they've been able to accomplish so so cool for the city of Louisville so cool for the Davenport so just to piggyback off what you said man congrats that's awesome all right, we're going to move into everybody's favorite portion of uh, every Louisville radio show slash podcast, which is coaching search nonsense talk. But before we do that, got to remind you guys, our friends over at Homefield Apparel bring you this podcast. Check them out at homefieldapparel.com. If you're in need of new Cardinal gear for the off season, or you're getting ready for the fall, or maybe you're just thinking ahead to next basketball season, go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out their wide array of Cardinal gear. If you're looking for other colleges, they've got 15 billion, I think is the approximate number of colleges that they have licensed gear for. The coolest designs, retro gear, softest t-shirts, softest hoodies, everything's fantastic there. And if you use the promo code CHRONICLE15 when you check out, it's going to save you 15% off your first checkout. Be sure to also keep up with Homefield Apparel on their social media channels. It's at Homefield Apparel without an E on Twitter. Uh, and Homefield Apparel, spelled normally all one word on Instagram. 
that's how you can find out the new schools that they're releasing. They have at least one new school pretty much every single week. Um, best gear, best people. We love them. I also wrote a, a thing on Wiley Brown losing his thumb for their newsletter this week, so check that out as well. Uh, again, homefilterapparel.com. Chronicle 15 is the promo code. Use it when you check out. We love Home Field Apparel. Real quick on Home Field. I'm Go sure for it. all of our listeners have Home Field Apparel as well, and I'm sure a lot of them wore it for last night's game. And this is just a reminder, whatever you did last night, whatever you wore, wherever you sat, do it again. This is March. We're not here to screw around. Put on your home field apparel stuff. Get back in your seat. Grab whatever candy you have and, and watch the game in the exact same fashion as you did last night. Look, it's still March, damn it. We still do this. This, this is, I mean, I was thinking about it. I found an old, like, Louisville Cardinals, like, long sleeve, kind of like baseball style shirt. Those things that were popular, like, 15 years ago that I hadn't seen in probably 15 years. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm putting this thing on. <laughs> I will, I will wear it through April 4th, if need be. I, I will wear this thing, uh, in the exact same spot, the exact same style every single day. It, it reminds me of when I wore in 2012, exactly 10 years ago. God, what a run. Um, yeah. the first game we played. You know, we're a seven seed in the Big East tournament, kind of limping into the tournament. I wore a, I think, 20, 2009 Big East Conference Tournament Champions t-shirt underneath a long sleeve shirt. And we beat Seton Hall. I ended up wearing that shirt for every single game through New Orleans. I was wearing it down on Bourbon Street, hot as hell in my jeans and like boots and whatever the hell else I was wearing. It was an awful look, but you got to do what you got to do. This is March. We still do this. We're still invested. We're still locked in. Let's make it happen. Hundred percent. When people are like, "What are your hobbies?" Like, I don't have a lot of hobbies. Like, I like to golf and I like to watch sports. Like, I would say like my hobbies is like I like to pick out my cardware apparel for Louisville games <laughs> and like like literally like I I know you never watch The Sopranos, but like Bobby Bacala, he likes his trains, um, and, you know his his set trains. Like, I, I'm a simple guy. I like to pick out my cardware for Louisville games, and no one's gonna tell me otherwise. I love you. I mean, you know, like, I've been thinking about getting into bourbon collecting and also tr- picking out what games, what shirts I'm going to wear for games that might take place a year from now. That's, uh, a, those I'm are a my two hobbies. 100%. That's it. Simple man with simple interests. Uh, let's talk about the, the coaching search stuff because whenever Louisville loses this week or if they lose next week or if they lose in early April, the attention of the collective fan base is going to immediately turn to the coaching search, which Let's be real. It's honestly at least 75% there anyway. If you, if you listen to the radio show, I've, I've, I've said all this before and you're hearing this for the second or third time, but here's the latest updates that I can give. At the end of the day, I know there's been buzz from both camps. If you want to refer to it as the Kenny Payne camp and the U of L camp, that there's maybe less interest from one side or the other than originally thought. And maybe it's not as much of a sure thing that Kenny Payne's going to be the head coach. I do think there's some truth to at least the, you know, there are certain people that are having some doubts about this. I I don't think it's anything that's going to derail the Payne train, if you want to call it that. And I think at the end of the day, I still think that Kenny Payne's going to wind up being the next Louisville head coach. I just don't think that maybe it's quite as much of a sure thing as we thought it was uh, two, three weeks ago. I think what's going to which what's going to wind up happening is this is you're going to have and, and part of this has already been happening for the last couple of weeks, but you're gonna have Josh Hurd in the search committee. They're at least going to see if, you know, a Scott Drew would be interested, if a Mick Cronin would be interested. They're gonna they're gonna kick the tires on guys like that. But I think if they're not like ninety five percent sure that one of those guys or somebody else that they really like who's going to be playing in the NCAA tournament is going to take the job, they're not going to hang around and just wait for them to, you know, to, to bow out in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or the Final Four. They're going to go ahead and hire Kenny Payne because the worst the worst case scenario for Louisville is you say thanks but no thanks to Kenny Payne. You don't hire him, you know, this week or early next week, and you're waiting around for Scott Drew or you're waiting around for Mick Cronin because you feel pretty good that they're going to wind up agreeing to a deal and then they play deep in the tournament they wind up feeling pressure from their fan base or their administration they sign a contract extension and all of a sudden you're left with your fourth fifth sixth option like that that, that's nightmare scenario so I think I I don't want to say Louisville's going to like settle for Kenny Payne or anything like that but it does feel like the path of least resistance for all parties involved 
I, I think that if you're looking for updates from the last couple of weeks or whatever, I, I don't think Louisville's going to go after Eric Musselman. I think that there was some concern with him being a little bit erratic uh, via the search firm's findings, which is understandable. I, I also think he was going to be – you knew you were going to have to overpay him. The, the word on the street was you're going to have to pay him at least a million dollars more per year than Arkansas was going to give him. And Louisville, while they're not as cash-strapped as some might have you believe, they, they're also not flush with money like they have been in the past. So there is a little bit of a spending limit. Um Ed Cooley is another guy that was his name was tossed out there a little bit. Apparently, he's not interested. I think he's probably I think he likes Providence a lot, and if he's going to jump, he's probably going to jump for another job that might come open next year. Um, other, I mean, Chris Holtman. There's some talk there. I think he would be kind of a down the list candidate. So, <clears throat> the other thing that I would say is, I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, because I was told directly. You know, I asked somebody who would know. If we don't hear anything like involving Kenny Payne in the next, say, like 10 days, 10 days from right now, should we read into that? If the first round of the tournament's about to end and we haven't heard any, not like Louisville's hired Kenny Payne, but any sort of reports about like Louisville nearing a deal with Kenny Payne or Louisville in talks with Kenny Payne, should we read into that? And the person said, yeah. If, if you don't have that story out there by, say, next Friday, Saturday, then you should kind of assume that Louisville is is probably going to hire somebody else other than Kenny Payne. Do I think that's going to happen? No, but that's something to to keep an ear out for. The other thing that I said on the radio show on uh, Tuesday, yesterday, that threw people into a tizzy was Josh Hurd's had a couple of conversations. I I think the the word that I was told was was multiple conversations with candidates. One of those is not, has not been Kenny Payne yet. They have not had a direct, like face-to-face, sit-down talk. It's coming soon. It just hasn't happened yet. That, that doesn't, that's not to say that there hasn't been contact between the two parties. Um, I can tell you again, like, like a prominent member of the search committee had dinner with Kenny Payne in New York, uh, a week and a half ago to talk about some things, but heard they're just setting the time. It's going to happen. I assume it will go fine. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's probably. We're going to stay on the same path that we are right now. But people kind of flipped out about hearing that. And Jeff Greer, I mean, his latest newsletter. And Greer, look, I can tell you his source on this is – I know exactly who it is. It's way better than mine. It said the exact same thing. He put it in his newsletter this week that, you know, heard Payne has talked to many people at UofL. He just hasn't talked to the main person in charge. But that will change in, in the very near future. And that's – I mean, it's kind of it. Like there aren't a whole lot of leaks outside of that. There aren't, aren't a whole lot of massive developments and because of that, honestly, it, it like makes me feel more likely that it's going to wind up being Kenny Payne, just because all signs kind of seem to point in that direction. I feel like we would have heard a little bit more uh, something definitive if it was like Payne's not interested or UofL's not interested or they can't come to sort of a, an agreement. But that's not really out there. It's just been you know third hand and fourth hand buzz. So that's where we are. Let me let me let me ask you this. Um... And obviously, you know more on this subject than I do. And from the outside looking in, I kind of like the fact that no one really has like a firm grasp yet, even though obviously it seems like everyone is, I would say, still slightly leaning towards Kenny Payne. But I think Josh Hurd or whoever is, you know, search committee or whoever, I mean, obviously Hurd is the one in charge of this hire, it sounds like. But He's done a good job of maybe just kind of dropping tea leaves, but, you know, no one really has a huge grasp of what's going on behind the scenes. How much do you think our next hire is going to be possibly dictated by what happens in the first or second round of the tournament? Do you think, like, I mean, we we mentioned the names like Scott, Drew, and Mick. I mean, if these guys make the Elite Eight, you know, or have a shot for the final four. I mean, to me, it would obviously probably diminish their chances of, of a coming here, or B even wanting the job. Um, but I feel like a first round upset or a second round knockout <laughs> maybe changes things if they are interested. Um, I don't know. And, and then you look at it from the fact that if Kenny Payne hasn't been hired, you know, by the first weekend of the tournament is his camp going to be like hey thanks but no thanks we know that you're just stringing us along to see 
kind of what happens with these other guys. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's it's certainly more likely that you get a coach who's maybe on your radar if they get bounced in the first or second round because this happens pretty much every year. Like the, a tournament will start and there'll be all this buzz that a guy's going to take a certain job. And then if they go on like a a surprise right. run to a, to a regional final, all of a sudden like the, those reports get louder and louder and louder and it becomes kind of a distraction to the players and becomes a distraction to the administration. And that coach will end up like signing a contract extension with the school where he's currently employed just because, you know, how often do you get shots at, at going to a Final Four, making a, a run to the Elite Eight? And you don't want anything to take away from that. And that would certainly be a concern that you would have. Let's say that you have a good idea that Mick Cronin wants the gig, and you want Mick Cronin. And the tournament starts, and you say, you know, best of luck to you. We'll talk when this thing's over. And then all of a sudden, UCLA's playing in an Elite Eight game against Kentucky, and you know, UCLA fans are like, we want to make sure that he's staying. He went to a Final Four last year. We, we, you know, we bring in these recruits. We feel good about things. And then Mick is, he doesn't want this to be a distraction to him. And he ends up just signing a deal with UCLA. Like that's, and then all of a sudden you're fucked. So I, I right. think that, yeah, that's certainly a thing. It will, where this coaching search, cause this coaching search hasn't been very interesting. Like we've all just kind of heard the same stuff. I think there's been, I mean, there's been, the standard stuff floating around, the the rumors that are, you know, who knows where they come from that, that have been everywhere. But for the most part, the official word, the official printed stuff, the official journalists are saying this stuff has been very limited. It will be if 10 days from now, Kenny Payne has not been named the Louisville head coach and there are no reports that there's like a, a deal imminent or that there's like it's even a sure thing. All of a sudden, you kind of start looking around, and you're like, "Who's still playing? Who could we be waiting on?" Like, like, right. like then I don't, I don't want to use the word exciting, but it certainly will get more interesting if that winds up being the case. I, I mean, people were saying yesterday, "Would you rather have?" Because if you listen to the podcast, if you listen to the radio show, you know the concerns that I have about Kenny Payne coming in here. And I, I could be totally wrong. You have to say all this when you bring up Kenny Payne. Like, nobody really knows. We're all just kind of guessing. But if it did come down to like. Matt McMahon from Murray State. Let's say he goes to a Sweet 16, and the choices wind up being him or Kenny Payne. As much as I think a guy like Matt McMahon could have success at a place like Louisville, I think at that point you have to kind of pick Payne just because the fan base would be so up in arms if it winds up being the coach from Murray State that they would be, you know, it almost would be unfair to McMahon. He would be arriving here with two strikes, and everybody would be saying this as, well, UofL fucked this up, and they had pain, and they blew it, and now we've got this joker. And anytime he did something somewhat bad for his first couple of seasons, everybody would be, you know, skies falling, whereas Kenny Payne's probably going to have a little bit more leeway from the fan base, especially if he's able to sign some big-time recruits right off the bat. So, like, there's certainly a part of me that says, if you can't get Scott Drew, if you, I mean, and Mick Cronin, I know, is open for debate. He probably, the fans, for whatever reason, kind of view Mick Cronin the same way they view Matt McMahon. Uh, I don't know if it's the Murray State thing. But if you can't get somebody who's going to you know, have the fan base excited because of what they've done in the past, you almost just say, just make it Kenny Payne. Let's try just to have everybody kind of on the same page, and we'll see how this thing works. I don't know, man. It, it is a, it's a weird position to be in, but we've been saying this about Cardinal Athletics for the last seven years. I feel like about everything. Yeah, I would just love to get inside of Josh Hurd's head and and kind of see what he's thinking because yeah, I mean that's just, it's just such like a a weird dynamic from from a timing standpoint. Um, and maybe he does have you know maybe he has information of a guy that he's kind of zeroed in on that you know maybe he's waiting on Kenny Payne because he wants to bet these other guys or maybe one of these other guys does have serious interest. But I I guess I, what I would say is if you're if you're on the Scott Drew bus, then you probably we all need to be on the same page as we are hoping for maybe a uh, an upset in an early March from Baylor. Um, and say, and I mean, obviously Scott Drew, I think would be my number one. I mean, you know, I like Mick Cronin, but the weird the weird thing about Mick Cronin, if you talk about it in that scenario, like okay, Mick Cronin, like the one knock, not one knock, but I think a lot of People knock him because of his his lack of tournament success. Well, I mean, if he goes to the Elite Eight or Final Four this year and he was interested in Louisville, like that could take him out of the running. But a first or second round exit could possibly put him in play. I mean, 
I don't know. We're just we're spitballing here. We don't know. Um, but it, it's it's going to be fascinating these next ten days to see what plays out. The one thing about Scott Drew, because I, I know the common response, especially from like national fans, is you know why the hell would you leave Baylor right now that you've you've built this program up into a national powerhouse. You've got this thing absolutely rolling. I mean, they've been the best program in college basketball over the last three years, and, and there's no real question about it. You know, why would you leave that for what is still kind of a on-fire dumpster in Louisville? And the one thing that, that I, I would bring up is Scott Drew, his family, his friends, uh, a lot of people told him, don't take the Baylor job when it was offered to him. I mean, Baylor was in a far worse spot than Louisville's in right now. And Scott Drew took that job because he said he felt like God had called him to take it. And I would say this. Can you do us a fucking favor, God? Like, can you – we've been through a lot here. Like, it, it's time to step up here and, and do something for Louisville Athletics. Hop in those Scott Drew DMs, God. Like, throw us a bone. We, we've been through a lot here. Uh, we're in a worse spot than Baylor. We didn't have players killing one another. We, it, what was going on here was way less serious if we're talking big picture than what was happening at Baylor. So maybe just send Scott Drew our way. Maybe, you know, well, give, give him a little nudge. You know what's wild is, I mean, obviously the, the three the three names we keep here, and at least, you know, I know you said McMahon from Murray State, but like the, Kenny Payne and then the other two are Mick and Scott Drew. And what I think is interesting about Scott Drew, which you just pointed out, but also Mick Cronin, is those are two guys that have done a complete rebuild before. Yes, everyone's going to knock Mick Cronin for his lack of tournament success, but they need to look up the roster and the state of the program at Cincinnati when he took over it. It was atrocious, and he did a complete rebuild as far as player personnel, as far as, far as culture. And I guess, I mean, I know UCLA wasn't in bad of shape, but, I mean, he obviously has turned that into kind of his own program as well. And then obviously we know what Scott Drew did at Baylor with turning a, you know, a murder program into a national championship, <laughs> albeit like 10 to 15 years later. So I, I I am glad to see that those are two of the names because I do think we are in store for not just like a player personnel rebuild, but an entire program facelift, an entire culture rebuild as well. And I think those are two coaches that have gone through it. No, it, it, those are both fair, very fair points. I mean, we're going to need somebody who has an ability to inject new life into an entire program because right now we are not lifeless, but we have as little life as I've ever seen in my yeah. life as a fan. And we, whether it's you know a guy who has history rebuilding a program like Scott Drew, or whether it's a guy who hopefully can inject life via his recruiting and bringing past players together like uh, like Kenny Payne would, we need somebody to come in here and do that. And the, the one thing with Kenny Payne is, you know, I guess because people talk about checking boxes, and that's been a phrase that's been thrown around a lot. The one box that I think Scott Drew doesn't check is his personality is a little bit different than I think the Louisville job demands, especially right now. Like, he's, he's a laid-back guy. He's not a whole lot of personality, period. But I think you can make up for that with your your track record, which he has. With Kenny Payne, like – I don't even know what a introductory Kenny Payne press conference sounds like. You know, right. is he going to come in here and just be like Charlie Strong, like talking in the third person, like Kenny Payne's going to get this shit going, like like let's let's go, or is it going to be just kind of like I, I don't know, like I, I don't know, I haven't heard this guy talk enough to really know what to expect. And again, he represents the great unknown, which is both the best and the worst thing about him. Um, and hopefully, we can find more. Uh, about him and, and what he would bring to the table in the coming days before a hire is made, if it's going to be made uh, relatively soon. But it's just a, it, it's it's all it's all very interesting. It's it's uh, yeah. And I mean, who knows? I, we we've both talked about it. If it ends up being Kenny Payne, I don't think that's me and your you know first choice. But we would be completely on board. I mean, we sure. would hop on the train and we would support it a hundred percent. And obviously, from the pulse of the fan base, it sounds like most of them um, would be ecstatic with that hire. Um, the, the other names that have been thrown out, like a Mick Cronin, I mean, I, I brought it up on Twitter. I don't understand why he's getting so much heat um, or why people think he's such a shitty candidate. Uh, my guess is 
A, it's the lack of tournament success. B, maybe the uh, the sideline demeanor pisses people off for whatever reason. But I promise you, whoever comes in and coaches, if you produce a winner, the entire fan base will get behind them. So oh, yeah. it doesn't matter who it is. Just come in and win, and you will, you know, obviously that's an easy thing to say, but, I mean, the fan base will be bought in 100%. Or, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, get some, have some splashy offseason stuff, you know. <clears throat> the recruiting thing with Kenny Payne is obviously one of the biggest draws. The the one thing that I'm worried about with Kenny Payne is, you know, whenever you bring up his name, it, it seems like two or three sentences later, people are bringing up DJ Wagner. You know, like he's going to, he, he'll get DJ Wagner, he'll get these other top five kids. And it certainly puts him in a position where, you know, what if he doesn't? It, it will yeah. feel like kind of a loss right off the bat, especially if DJ Wagner winds up going to UK. And I mean, I'll tell you, like, I know people who work with for the UK basketball program, they're all very confident that it doesn't matter who Louisville gets. It doesn't matter if they sign Kenny Payne, Milt Wagner, Dewan Wagner, and the entire Wagner family. They're like, DJ Wagner's coming to Kentucky. And we'll find out how, how right they are, I guess, if Kenny Payne does wind up getting this job. But I just worry that now we've put ourselves in a position where it's going to feel like our first big loss with Kenny Payne as the head coach if he does wind up choosing to go to UK. And then we're all like, well, what are we even doing? Excuse right. me, God, I cannot talk. I still have the illness going on. Like, what are we even it's doing like, here? Mike, Mike, Mike doesn't want Kenny Payne confirmed just by the way he's talking. I can, I can just feel this. Can't throat. get the phlegm out of his throat. He's been, <laughs> he's been throwing up for days just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> oh God! But it, like that's that, that's my only concern with this whole recruiting stuff is we're all just kind of assuming you know he's going to get these yeah. these top five kids right out of the gate. Like if it doesn't happen, do we just freak out and? and start doing the whole, oh, Louisville fans, whatever, we're already dead inside type deal again. Yeah, just be realistic about the expectations. Like, don't come in, you know, if he is the guy, expecting five McDonald's All-Americans within, like, the first three months. Like, you have to be realistic about this stuff. And if you're not, then obviously, like you said, it's going to turn into a little bit of a letdown. So, um, you know. I don't know. We can talk about this so we're blue in the face. I'm I'm anxious for it to play out. I think the rest of the fan base is. And I just hope whoever it is, um, unless it's like someone way off the radar, um, that the fan base can get behind and support it. Yeah, same. Um, I, I don't really have anything else to add. I, I don't think there are any other gigantic pieces of news. I mean, I know there's been stuff kind of leaking out here and there, and we've talked about it on the radio show. And I, I can't remember what we have and haven't missed over the last two and a half weeks with the podcast. Is there do anything? Want, do you want a Do you want a Dan in the Dumps? I got one. I'm I'm so ready for a Dan in the Dumps. Hit me. Okay. All right. So this was like two weeks ago. So my dad is a graduate of Elder High School on the west side of Cincinnati, also the high school of former University of Louisville standout Buffalo Bills standout center Eric Wood. Um, so every year, Elder has this, they call it a men's stag, where they have, like, either an alumni or, like, a famous speaker. Like, the list of speakers throughout the year has been, like, really impressive. Like, they pulled pretty big names for speaking purposes. But this year, the stag speaker was Eric Wood. So my dad asked me, hey, do you want to, do you and my brother Colin want to get a table for this thing? And we're like, yeah, 100%. So um, we went. and. It was a great night. I mean, Eric was a fantastic speaker. Uh, obviously, we all love Eric and know Eric. And, um, you know, just to kind of hear his story of how he got to where he was, um, it was remarkable. There was other NFL guys there, like Kyle Rudolph was there. Uh, Rocky, uh, God, is it Rocky Bowman? He's an elder grad. Like, he's on ESPN now for college football. He was there. And there was another guest there, Scott Satterfield. Hey so, um yeah, so like of course like all my uncles and stuff are like ribbing me. They're like, Hey Dan, there's Scott Satterfield, like don't you talk about him on your podcast? Haven't you like shit on him a couple times? Like you should go <laughs> introduce yourself and there was drinks flowing and I was like, you know what? I was like, he's up there, like Kyle Rudolph's up there, like, you know, there's some big names. I'm not just gonna like interject and like, you know, be like, Hey, I'm Dan from Card Chronicle Podcast. Well, my, <laughs> please, my dad Please my, do it the next time. Dad, I know. My dad 
decided he was going to do that. I was like, oh, no. He was like, come on, Dan. I was like, nope, not going up there. And my brother was like, oh, I'll go with him. And I was like, this is a bad idea. Like, and my dad, like, like I wouldn't say that, you know, he was drunk, but he had had a few cocktails. Um, so he, like, marches right up. Like, I was like, I had so much secondhand embarrassment. I didn't really want to look up there because he kind of just launches right in front of him. And if you, there's a guy on Louisville's roster, he's an O-lineman. His name's Luke Condra. He's an elder grad. Um, so my dad goes up to Scott Saturday. He's like, hey, man, like, love what you done with the program. Hey, I was just wondering, when's that one kid going to start getting some playing time? And Scott was like, well, who are you talking about? My dad's like, oh, oh shit, what's his name? Oh, God, God, Colin, what's his name? And like, Colin's like, I have no idea who you're talking about. And he's like, shit. And he's like banging his head like Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. He's like, oh, well, shit, I don't even know his name. And I was like, oh, yeah, can't help you out. I don't know who you're talking about. And my brother comes back. He's like, it was honestly the biggest train wreck of a conversation I think I've ever seen. I was like, oh, my God, I am so glad I did not go up there. Um, but, yeah, I think eventually, like, they narrowed it down to who it was. He was like, oh, yeah, he, went, he ended up going to the high school here. Um, but I don't know. Like, my poor dad, I was absolutely cracking up when he got back, and I was very happy with the decision, uh, you know, not to go up there at that time. But. It was a really nice night. Like I said, Eric absolutely killed it on the mic. So, uh, yeah, good times all around. Shout out to Eric Wood. Shout out to Bob Sennard. Shout out to Scott Satterfield. I mean, we'll get yeah. more into it as we get uh, deeper into spring practice. But recruiting stuff's getting exciting. And if they have oh, yeah. a, if they have at least an improved season, I think you're going to see people start to get to get genuinely excited about Cardinal football again, which is something that I'm not sure that any of us thought was possible after the last two games last season you know, giving up a million points to Kentucky and Air Force in back-to-back games. But, hey, they're doing what you got to do to bounce back from something like that, which is create some off-season buzz, which is very cool. Um, look, again, it's Wednesday afternoon. If you're listening to this on Thursday, then you might roll your eyes at this. But God willing, maybe episode 101 will come in the early hours of Thursday morning after a Cardinal 100%. victory over Virginia. If, if we do somehow pull off a triumphant second-round victory over Virginia – and Mike Pegues becomes the first Louisville men's basketball coach to win multiple games in the ACC tournament. We will absolutely have an emergency pod. It'll be fun. We'll do it. Oh, I'll go even further. Okay. We'll have an emergency pod after every victory from here to the rest of the season. That's how important these victories would be. So any victory from here on out, there will be an emergency pod. That's a Card Chronicle podcast guarantee, which means take it to the bank. It absolutely has a 10% chance of happening. That's what we do here. We've been doing it for a hundred damn episodes. Uh, in all seriousness, big thanks to everybody who's been listening this whole time. Um, the fact that we've done a hundred episodes, this has been far more successful an endeavor than I really thought it was going to be when we got this thing started. I thought it was going to be just, you know, me and Dan just doing something for fun. Maybe some people would listen and have a good time with it. And the listening numbers have been beyond my imagination. It's been a whole lot of fun and hopefully we can make this thing even bigger and better when we have some actual good things to talk about instead of what we've been talking about for the last two years. But uh, big thanks to everybody listening. Hopefully we get a win over Virginia. If you do, you'll be hearing from us again very shortly. Even if we don't, I'm sure there's going to be things to talk about in the very near future. It will not be another two weeks before you hear uh, another Car Chronicle podcast episode. That I can absolutely guarantee. But until we talk to you guys again, go Cards, beat Virginia. Let's get this thing done. Go Cards, 1-2.